we invested three months in training with our staff. So mm-hmm. every week for three months, they came in, they did customer service training, they um, they learned how to price up front, they uh, did more safety training, and just built that whole skill set up. Mm-hmm. And Prior to that, we did a six-month evaluation of our culture, our staff culture. So we realised we needed to increase our workforce. We were finding that by advertising every week, people were going, why are they advertising every week? Mm. Is there something wrong with that place? Why are they always turning people over? But oh, what they didn't realise... advertising realize, for new staff. Yeah, what yeah, they right. didn't realise is that we were growing so sure. quickly, we needed new staff all the time. Right. So it looked like we are always advertising. And we still do. We always advertise now because mm-hmm. we've got a pool of people sitting there that if we have a position open up, mm-hmm. we can call them and they mm-hmm. come and work for us. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the Arate Podcast, the podcast created to help senior executives and the organisations they lead live up to their full potential. Join us for cutting-edge interviews with leading senior executive and board members across all industry sectors and for practical tips to accelerate your executive career. And now, here's your host, Richard Triggs. Thanks very much for joining us today on the RHA podcast. And my guest today is Mark Denning, Managing Director and owner of Fallon Solutions. Mark and his wife purchased this business approximately 15 years ago and have grown it into a very successful Southeast Queensland trades business. And it's a great story because Mark began his career as an accountant. He then moved into a major corporate being Serco, initially in finance-related roles, then moving into business development and operations management before he decided that he really wanted to be an entrepreneur and own his own business. So after six months of looking at lots of opportunities, he and his wife bought Fallon about 15 years ago and he talks through some of the key milestones in growing that business and developing what is a fantastic culture uh, with his organization with a very strong emphasis on training and as a result, excellent staff retention and tremendous growth. So sit back and enjoy this conversation with Mark Denning. Well, hi, Mark, and welcome to the Arate podcast. It's great to uh, have the opportunity to have a chat to at your beautiful home. Thanks very much, Richard. It's a beautiful morning. I'm looking forward to having a chat. Yes, it's uh, it's uh, just after Easter, and uh, the weather is starting to get to what we love in Brisbane. Uh, so, Mark, uh, for the purposes of the conversation to begin with, just tell us a little bit about your current professional responsibilities. Currently, I'm uh, the owner and managing director of a company called Fallon Solutions. We're a Brisbane Gold Coast company, and we provide uh, trade services, mostly business to consumer but okay. we also do business to business okay and what sort of range of services we provide a, a wide range of tasks that people need completed around their home electrical plumbing air conditioning antennas um, cctv cameras being installed all those okay. kind of tasks and from what i understand fallon was the name of the previous the person who started the business yeah neil uh, neil set the business up uh, the day after he finished his apprenticeship back in 1962 and uh him and his family ran the business till he retired in 2005 mm-hmm. uh, very successfully he built a couple other businesses and sold them along the way as well and uh when he went to sale i was just at a stage in life where i wanted to have my own business and 
not travel a lot in corporate life anymore. Right. And uh, he was looking for the right person to take over his name. Okay. And so he chose me to uh, take over the business. Right. So that was a, quite an honour. Yes, it was. <laughs> and so how did um, uh, the business come up on your radar then? My wife and I uh, were working for a, a global company and uh, I was running the defence biz- business in Australia and uh, we had young children so I was always travelling, I was always on the road and never home. And uh, I left that business and, and I said to my wife, I've always wanted to own my own business. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, you've got six months. Right. <laughs> and uh, So you same- left prior to even starting to look for a new business? We, I uh, had looked at businesses but hadn't made it a full-time occupation. Okay, sure. And so uh, pretty quickly after that I met with all the brokers around town mm-hmm. and one of them said there was a business coming up for sale and so we are lucky enough to get that business before it was actually on the market. Okay. And Neil was looking at a, another company in Melbourne or ourselves to buy it. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. and uh, you made the comment, um, I hadn't made finding a business my full-time job. So was it pretty much a full-time it job? It was a full-time job for, for that six months. Right. It was quite a lot of fun. Yeah, I bet. Coming from an accounting background and looking at other people's businesses, uh, it was really enjoyable to think I was finding something for the family and something that we could um, put our, our stamp on. Fantastic. And what were some of the other types of businesses you were looking at? Uh, one of the ones for sale at the time was... Um, Pete the Possum Man. I'd love to have bought that business, but we missed out. Pete the Possum Man. Yeah, it's another Brisbane trade business. They okay. do. Um, they do. Uh, po- they take possums and other bird birds and things out of homes. Right. And they fix up the hole where it, where it is. I think okay. they're still trading in okay. Brisbane pretty right. strongly. Yeah. I lived in Cairns, and uh, we had a. Uh, micro bats in the walls of okay. our uh, old Queenslander, which were a protected, protected species. So, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, that was uh, crazy. Uh, but I can't imagine there'd be enough of a business in relocating possums, but obviously Yeah, there well, is. there's birds and there's right. bats and there's okay. all the other, other wildlife. Okay. And so give us a sense of the scope of, um, of Fallon then in terms of employees and, and you know, the size of the operation. So when, when Neil sold the business, there were 23 staff turning over about $2 million mm-hmm. and just focused on electrical services. Mm-hmm. And uh, since then, we we then added plumbing and then air conditioning and then carpentry and, mm-hmm. and various other products like uh, leak detection and CCTV cameras. And now we've got about 170 people on the team. Okay. And we're turning over about 30 million. So, right. Yeah. Fantastic. It's so. a lot better now because uh, we've got a good, strong management team in place. Yep. And I don't have to do everything anymore. So right. It's great. Oh, look, uh, I'm sure that that feels lovely. Hopefully I'll get there myself one day. <laughs> well, let's uh, come back and talk you know, more about Fallon later in this conversation. But uh, why don't we go back to where it all began for you. Tell us a little bit about uh, where you were born and mum and dad, brothers and sisters and so on. Mum and dad um, were travelling in Germany. They were on a sabbatical visiting my mother's family. Right. And I was born there on the way through. Where were they uh, travelling from? Uh, they... Um, the long story is that my mother's parents were German missionaries in Papua New Guinea back okay. in the 1930s. And right. So my mother met my father at St. Peter's Lutheran College. Uh, and it in all, Brisbane? Yeah, yeah it all right. went from there. So okay. Back in those days, there weren't any good schools in Papua New Guinea, so they sent the children to Australia. To board? They, to board, and they came home for a month a year at okay. Christmas. So. All right. Yeah, so over there they were, they were having a, a good old time and I came along. Right. 
and then on the way through they went back to Australia and then they went back to New Guinea for four years. And, Your parents? Yeah. And what sort of work were they doing there? They were working, my dad was working in a company called Namasu which was half owned by the local people and half owned by the church and they were helping um, build trade. Okay. So he was doing that over there and um, right. it was a good, uh, good part of their life. And they so whereabouts was that based? In Lai and Madang. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I've spent a bit of time in Lay, um, yeah. and so you were there for about four years. Didn't yeah, you say? and my sister was born over there, and okay. then we came back to Australia. And, and all along, I had an Australian passport, so right. even though I might have spoken pidgin or a bit of German, yeah. I've always kind of felt Australian the whole way along. Right, and have you spent much time in PNG since then? Just went back for a visit with my uncle a few years ago, and okay. it felt very unsafe the whole time. I know, yeah. We uh, saw a tribal fight with them shooting at each other with the one-shot rifles oh, and wow. running at each other with machetes. Yep. Yeah. It didn't feel so. Yep. I went over there uh, a few times. I used to tour in bands, and... Uh, it's the only place I've been where I really felt unsafe. And yeah. every car I got into, they had a handgun in the car and every single person had at least one horror story. Yeah. Uh, I don't understand why people choose to live and work there, but anyway, good luck to them. Crazy considering it's not much further away than Melbourne, is it? No, exactly yeah. right. And so uh, and so you did your um, schooling here in Brisbane? Yes. Right, okay. Yeah. And, uh, and while you were going through school, you know, what did you think you wanted to be when you grew up? I honestly didn't know what I wanted to do. It wasn't until I got to the end of high school that, and I went and did a commerce, or I started a commerce law degree. I realised that wasn't really what I wanted to do. Right. So um, I fell out of um, that into doing tax returns, and I really enjoyed that that side of the business. Not so much doing the tax or doing the accounting, but just understanding small business and okay and uh all the things that drive a small business and right. the whole commerce and trade side of it okay so you were working for an accounting firm yeah looking after you know small to medium enterprise yeah okay yeah. and how long and did you do that for i did that on and off for uh probably for five or ten years okay i worked at a couple of different companies i did a stint at kpmg to look at what the big end of town was like right and uh, they taught me quite a lot mm -hmm. about detail and about um, professionalism, mm -hmm. but it wasn't really where I wanted to be in the long term. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't want to end up being a partner in, in a big company like that. I wanted to have my own business. So, right. Yeah, so I went, I went travelling overseas and had a bit of fun and yep. did a bit more time as a tax accountant. Right. You're travelling overseas with friends or...? Yeah, a guy I met at KPMG, he's got right. his own business now in Brisbane, very successful. Okay. Um, we backpacked through Europe together and uh, lived in London and mm -hmm. did what a lot of Aussies do when they're right. young. And how long were you over there for? That that first trip was two years. I did three months in Africa and okay. four months in a ski resort working oh, behind a bar. So fantastic. Lots of fun. Yeah, good for you. And so uh, and then back to Australia and back getting on with her yeah. professional life again. Yeah. Okay. And so what happened then? So this friend of mine decided to set up a, a new business called Ads and Cabs. Mm -hmm. putting advertising in taxis and mm -hmm. I went to Sydney and uh, gave it a go and it, it really showed after six months that it wasn't going to be a good prospect so mm -hmm. we agreed to stop mm -hmm. and when I was and down you were there working the business full-time yeah full-time okay, yeah, yeah. Um, so when I was down there I took a job with a company called Serco mm -hmm. uh, and they brought me in to do management accounting so mm -hmm. I did the costing for their tenders and mm -hmm. I think you've worked in the same kind of industry. The yeah. tenders can be anything from, uh, you know, a hundred thousand dollars a year of work over five years to mm -hmm. uh, multi millions of dollars mm. of 
work over over five years. So yep, yep. some really big tenders, some mm-hmm. really good learning in all different industries. Mm-hmm. So I was quoting to take over um, building management authorities in Perth, set up call centres, mm-hmm. running defence bases. All so you were things. doing the the financial estimating that yes. sat behind the tender. That's where I started. Right. And after a while, um, my boss let me start writing the tenders. Okay. And so I, then I moved into that business development role and, right. and wrote the tenders and had teams working for me. And it, it's a lot of fun visualising what a business is going to look like at the end. After I'd won a few of them, then they let me actually go and implement the right. the tenders. And that's yep. where... The rubber hits the road. Yeah, you've, that's for sure. You've got real people involved. They're, yep. they're all, uh, there's a whole lot of people losing their jobs. Mm-hmm. You're going in and uh, interviewing them all to see if they're going to work for the new organisation. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really serious stuff. Mm. But uh, it was it was a stage the government was going through and, mm-hmm. and we were uh, working in that industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it sounds like we had quite a similar background, although I came from the sales side um, yeah. rather than the financial side. And you know, we used to have these guys who would work as estimators with their massive Excel spreadsheets and all of their macros and so on. And uh, they were almost like magicians. You know, they had this secret source. You never really could understand how they finally come up with this number. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, really, uh, as you say, some of these tenders are extraordinarily complex mm. and multiple different types of services and um often you know geographically very sort of interesting sites uh, mm-hmm. all around australia so yeah um uh, a good fun place to work for sure yeah it ended up um they gave me part of the business to look after so first of all they gave me a small part of the business it was 40 million dollars of uh of contracts with um, westpac in sydney and at the uh, Cornell oil refinery and mm-hmm. down at bhp and Wyala and, mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. i had some business to run in New Zealand at Taupo and mm-hmm. Auckland. Okay. So uh, it was really interesting for a young person yeah. to get that experience. Yeah. And then uh, my wife and I were working in the business and we both started to burn out. It was a lot of travel, a lot of partying, mm-hmm. a lot of drinking, a lot mm-hmm. of all that kind of stuff when you're yeah. young, living in hotels and flying on aeroplanes. And we said to them, we really probably need a break. Right. And so the, our bosses at the time said, well, why don't you take a break but continue working for us? So they found us a job in Derby in the UK okay. in their rail infrastructure division. So we were, went over there to quote, um, to run the railway maintenance for the UK government when they were outsourcing it. Right. So we spent uh, a few months working on that. And that's a, that was a big tender. That was the model I was doing had 200 spreadsheets joined together. Right. And I think it was something like 250 million pounds a year. And the first month was just spent writing up the um all of the different terms they use in that industry so Mm -hmm. everyone on the team could understand Mm -hmm. what the industry was about Mm -hmm. so it was a really interesting process again and living in derby it's perfect place to travel to belgium and greece and france right on weekends it doesn't sound like much of a break though (laughs) it sounds like you were (laughs) it was just working just as hard yeah we're working hard but Mm -hmm. in a different way right and changes as good as a holiday yeah sure and so you're there for a few months we we spent um, we spent six months on that project, and at the end of the project, they offered us a, a role in. Oh, three months before that, we went through Africa and camped. Mm-hmm. Then we did that role, and then they offered us a role in um, New Jersey in the U.S. to work mm-hmm. on a project there. And when we got there, the 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 MD or the CEO, whatever he was called, said, "We don't need you. I don't right. know why they've sent you across from the right. UK to work on." 
on this, we decided not to go ahead with that proposal. Mm-hmm. So they gave us um, three months' pay and we got a motorhome and travelled through the States for three months and came back to Australia. A big Winnebago. Yeah, it was oh, good fun. Great. Yeah. And uh, uh, so essentially they, they said it was our fault, we shouldn't have sent you here, uh, yeah. have yeah. a paid holiday. Yeah, that's right. They sound like the best bosses ever. They were good at the time, yeah. <laughs> and so then you moved back to Australia. Moved back to Australia and... Back I, to Perth? No, back to Brisbane. My wife and I decided we wanted to have children. Yeah. And uh, my family's here, and Mm -hmm. so we thought it was a good place to live. Sydney, uh, it was getting a bit expensive with the housing market, so we sold our house down there. Yeah. Um, And Serco offered us another position up here, Mm -hmm. and um, I I did a bit of project work, and then I took over the role of uh, general manager for Serco Sodexo Defence Services. Mm -hmm. And um, we had about... um, 3,000 staff working in that business, turning over about $150 million. We're the seventh largest defence contractor in mm-hmm, Australia. Mm-hmm. And uh, so my job was to come in and, and run that business mm-hmm. and all the new contracts they'd want across uh, the country. Mm-hmm. And I had a really good team of people working for me there. Mm-hmm. And uh, because they were all new contracts, we needed a lot of support for all the site managers. I think we had 50 site managers and six regional managers. So... Um, the board and I agreed to put together a central management team. And so we put together a support team and then our job was to go and support all those contracts and make sure they were delivering what the customer mm-hmm. Defence Force wanted and that they were making the profit for the shareholders. And mm-hmm. it was a really successful few years. Okay. And and it was during that time you started to get the itch yeah. to uh, be an owner. I did. Right. And uh, there's an opportunity at the end. Um, my second in charge could run the business and so he took over the business and I moved out from the business and, and spent six months looking for Fallon's. Right. And so um, uh, when you were thinking about moving from being essentially a very senior employee to being a business owner, did you do some kind of inventory of your skills and say, okay, well, if I'm going to make a success of this, I need to uh, upskill in certain areas? Uh, was there much you know, consideration in that regard? I felt confident that I could run a small business. Mm-hmm. Um, I had done marketing and psychology at Queensland University with my uh, commerce degree. I'd run businesses of forty million right through to one hundred and fifty million. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife was in HR, so she has that side of the strategic HR side of skills to support me. I've got the accounting background, and um, the bi- the business had skill set in it. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't wasn't running the business without any uh, other people, mm-hmm. and the business was uh, had twenty three people, so it was big enough mm-hmm. to to do that. Yep. Quickly, I learnt that I didn't have all the skills right. <laughs> as you always do, and I, I had the marketing skills, and we grew the business sixty percent in the first year or two. Mm-hmm. But um, it's quite easy to run out of cash when you grow a business that mm-hmm. quickly, and luckily. Uh, my wife and I own half the business and my old CEO from Serco and the global marketing director decided to come in with me and buy okay. half the business before yeah. we started. They offered, if you find a good business, we'll mm-hmm. go um, half with you. So mm-hmm. they, they would be able to um, put the extra cash in that we right. needed to okay. keep growing the business when it started growing. And um, uh, obviously uh, when, uh, did you say Neil Fallon, is that right, Neil? So, um, you know, he... Did he exit the business pretty much immediately, or did he? Hang yeah, around? he offered to stay for three months, right? 
And during that time, he gave us some training and some support. Yeah. And he chased down all the debtors that were outstanding from right. his business. Okay. And, uh, and he he's a very active man. He he's he was, uh, I think he was president of the Brisbane Golf Club at the time. Right. He's got a boat. He travels a lot. He loves his golf. He's got a big family. So he. So he's still around in Brisbane. Yeah, I caught up with him a few weeks ago. If you look at it, if you look at our last newsletter two, two months ago, sorry, right. last month, uh, he had a little uh, brief in there. Right. So we, we caught up with him and asked him what he thought from a distance how the business was going. It was quite funny. And uh, was he? Uh, I imagine he must have been very complimentary. He was. He was really complimentary. We catch up probably once a year, twice a year. He stopped okay. coming to our Christmas parties, mm. but uh, we always catch up for coffee. Mm. He did get upset at one stage when we changed it from Neil T. Fallon to Fallon Solutions because he felt like our, we'd taken his name out of the business. Right. But uh, he's pretty good now. Uh, <laughs> well, I suppose, uh, you know, once he's uh, made that sale, you know, largely... Those kind of decisions are no longer his to make, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. But I think you, you, even though you sell a business, you're mm. still passionate about the mm. business. You've spent a lot of your life building it. Sure. And, uh, and that's where he is. He, he was passionate about what he did. Yep. And uh, interestingly, you never um, wanted to have a business with your own name. No. Yeah. Well, there's no need for yep. that. I'm the same. Uh, you know, when I started Arate... I didn't want it to be Triggs Recruitment. I wanted to find a word that uh, um, was not associated with me at all because yeah. I see people when it is their business and their name is on the business card, yeah. it can it can trap you into things. Um, What's Arate mean again? Arate is a Greek word. It means the fulfillment of one's full potential. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we were typing words into Google, f- uh, fulfillment and success and so on, and this word Arate came yeah. up. We went, oh, that, that's, uh, it suits us. Yeah, we, we really liked what that meant, and um, and uh, are any of those initial tw- the original twenty three people still in the business? Yes. Um, so Helen just retired recently. She was our payroll lady. She didn't miss a pay in the whole time I was wow. there. Um, Chris Godick just re- retired. She was our call center manager, mm-hmm. and she started with the business almost twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wayne, one of our uh, electricians, is still with us after eighteen years. Okay. So. Yeah, so there's a few of the original crew with us still. Fantastic. A lot of people come to Fallon's and over the years, they they leave and set their own businesses mm-hmm. up. So you, you look around town, there's a lot of guys that uh, have got their own businesses mm. now and did their training with us. Mm. A bit like KPMG, I think. Right, yes. You, know, you, you go to KPMG and then you learn some really good skills and you go off and set your yeah. own business up. Which uh, you know must be very frustrating sometimes for you, I'm sure, when you invest heavily into people and then... Uh, they get up to speed and say, see you yeah. later. We, we haven't uh, done it, but we've sometimes considered that maybe the opportunity there is to offer franchises to those people who want their own business. Yeah, It's not something we've considered yet because right. uh, we, we like the ownership mm-hmm. methodology where all the employees are employed by the company and they all work for the company mm-hmm. rather than sharing their, um, their efforts between themselves and the company and other mm-hmm. customers. Mm-hmm. And so what have been some of the, uh, the key milestones uh, in the growth of the business and, and the way that you've been able to create, you know, we've spoken earlier about culture as being, you know, a very fundamental part of the foundation of your success. You know, talk me through, uh, you know, some of the key milestones that have led the business to where it is today. So when we bought the business, we wanted to uh, offer a wide range of trade services, a bit like the background we came, I came mm-hmm. from, my wife came from, 
uh, at Serco where we provided facilities management services. So the, the first product we put on was plumbing. Mm -hmm. So instead of answering the phone, Neil T. Fallon Electrical, we just answered it, Neil T. Fallon Electrical and Plumbing. And right. everyone then started going, oh, we'll use you for plumbing as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, that the business grew really quickly. The the two plumbers I put on, one of them was, was suitable to run the business. He'd had his own business before. And Mike's still with us now, um, running the plumbing business. Mm -hmm. So he, he built it up from him being on the tools to now the plumbing business being uh, a third to a half of the whole business. Okay. Uh, so that was a really successful methodology. We did the same for air conditioning. It was a bit more difficult because mm -hmm. it's a seasonal business and mm -hmm. you have to work out how to keep a permanent workforce mm -hmm. through the year when you uh, when you um, don't have a full year's work for them. Mm -hmm. We've been able to do that. And uh, we made a few mistakes, broke a few eggs along the way. We right. tried um, handyman services. But okay. Our business is built on um, being able to be there when you need us, which is quickly, mm -hmm. and also about quality. And a lot of people don't really look for that when they're looking for... Well, we found anyway. I'm sure mm -hmm. other businesses have got a different model, but we found that the urgency wasn't there, so people really weren't that interested in the handyman services. They get a price and they go, three hundred dollars to paint a door. Oh, I'm going to do it myself yeah, on the weekend." Sure. Yeah. So they got the quote, and then they decided mm -hmm. to just do it themselves. So mm -hmm. we exited that, but we kept the carpentry side of it, and we've mm -hmm. got some really good carpenters on board. Mm -hmm. And so. Um I imagine you know a lot of your work is you go to do something which has a degree of urgency to it. Yeah. Um, but are you also doing um, when you mentioned handyman or carpentry longer projects where somebody might say I want you to build a deck or put on yeah. a pergola or do you do things like that? Too? Yeah, we've got we've got lots of different areas of the business. Uh, one of our sub brands is Australian Sports Lighting Solutions, mm -hmm. and what we do there is we offer to help people with grants. So sporting clubs with grants, we offer to, and we do a lot of work for the government as well. Grants in order to pay for the lighting. For the lighting. Yeah. So we'll, they'll approach us and say, we'd like to light the field up. There's these grants coming up soon. Mm -hmm. So we'll design and price the solution for them, mm -hmm. help them lodge the grant. Grant, I'm not sure what she's supposed <laughs> to say. And uh, then at some stage they'll win the grant. They've put it out to two prices, but because we've helped them initially, mm -hmm. Um, we're in a good position to mm. win that mm. um, work from them, and we do um, about two million dollars of that kind of work each year. We do lots of sporting that? fields and lighting for um, different things. Okay. Neil was doing some of right. that work, okay, and he handed on his knowledge right. to the electricians that work for mm -hmm. me. And so, you doing the upfront assistance in terms of the grants and everything uh, on a. Uh, uh, basis where you get paid if they are successful or you're doing it's it's total risk it's a it's free quote risk. yeah right, so okay. we we take all the risk right and the, and they get the rewards right that's the only way it works with mm -hmm. the government system any mm -hmm. grants these days need to be t priced by two or three i think mm -hmm. at least mm -hmm. so uh, it's it's about relationship and being yeah. in the right money sure and because we've done so many of these things over the years we mm -hmm. know how to put the pricing together mm -hmm. got good relationships with the suppliers mm -hmm. they help us with design of footings and poles and, okay and everything like that and so I think we've done was... big jobs in that area we've done a seven million dollar job at Corbell Park Raceway to do mm -hmm. that lighting which is one of the biggest projects that's been done in Australia mm -hmm. and uh, yeah showing my ignorance here where's that Corbell Corbell Park sorry is it uh, Caloundra so it's oh, the right. raceway up there. okay sure yeah. because um 
I think you were saying to me earlier that you actually offer that service nationally. We've, we did a similar yeah. job in Launceston for their raceway okay. down there, which right. is about a $7 million job. Okay. So if you win something like that, you just send a, a team down and, and... Yeah, we'll send the project management right. capability down and okay. they'll, they'll recruit locally okay. and, and put it together. It doesn't work unless it's a large project for mm-hmm. us because mm-hmm. of the travel costs. Mm-hmm. If they compete it to a local company who don't have the mm. accommodation and travel, then we can be a bit more pricey. So we mm-hmm. tend to only do large projects mm-hmm. outside of the local area. Mm. And we, we were talking uh, before the podcast um, and uh, a couple of things which I think are really unique and I'd like to sort of understand a bit more is, you know, you have a, a very strong focus on culture. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and the other thing is, you know, you've put a lot of effort into really consistent sales training um, for your trade teams, um, uh, which has obviously been very successful for you. Mm. So um, when did you start to realise that culture and, and this sort of sales orientation would create a unique selling proposition and, and how did you start to roll that out? About four years ago, um, we realised that we were working really hard and, and we weren't making a lot of money out yeah. of the business. And we, were, we sat down, we had to think about it. We went to Sydney and met some other guys in the trade industry because it's mm-hmm. a bit hard when you're in, in Brisbane to talk to your competitors. Mm-hmm. And they introduced us to some people in the US and we went to the US and went to, I think it was about 18 contractors in 10 states. And they're very open to share everything with you. And what we realized is we were trying to be everything for everyone. And what you need to do in, in business is carve out a niche for yourself and just mm. focus on that. So in the trade industry, you can either be best price, most responsive, or best quality. Mm-hmm. It's hard to be all three. Mm-hmm. And what we, would, we decided to do was be most responsive. And one of our catch cries is we can be there today. So we wanted to retain that. But what we decided to do, we were recognised for really good, really good quality work, but we wanted to lift that right up. So we um, took on board a lot of the, the practices we found across uh, our benchmarking mm-hmm. process and we put our price up. And so now uh, on a value for money proposition, I think we're the best value for money, mm-hmm. but we're not the cheapest company out there. Mm. And uh, that doubled our business. Mm. Basically in two years we had to buy another 50 vehicles. Right. And, employ another uh, whole range of different trades. And at, at the time, <coughs> was that a bit of a gutsy call to, to say, okay, we're going to, uh, because it is a very price-driven market, yeah. to, to say, well, we're actually going to do something completely different to that? Well, at the time, um, our, job, our average job was $412. Right. And uh, our average job now is about $800. Mm-hmm. But the price increase isn't the $400. What we did is we now offer a complimentary home safety inspection when we go into someone's home. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, we are adding value and we're, f- we're giving the customer a list of options that they could buy from us. So mm-hmm. you call us in to put a new PowerPoint in, Richard, to your house, and we'll offer the complimentary inspection. We'll have a walk through. We'll go, all these things here are good in your house. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with them. Uh, if we find something, then we'll write it down, we'll price it for you, mm-hmm. and you can say yes or no to it. It's really your choice. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are buying that second option or mm-hmm. third option. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, we're able to present to them pricing for replacing old halogen lights with 
LEDs to save power, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. But we're opening up a conversation, we're building rapport, and we're adding value. Mm -hmm. And people have run with that. So even though we're a bit more, a little bit more expensive up front, by the time you bring those two or three jobs together mm. and do them in one visit rather than having to pay service calls and do them over three visits and take three days off work, mm -hmm. we're way cheaper, mm. I think. Sure. Um, and But that's also required you to really sort of work on the mindset of your team. Yes, yes. Uh, to become more than just, I'm arriving to do a job. Yeah. You know, uh, and so... Um, so when we made the choice... Yeah. We invested three months in training with our staff. So mm -hmm. every week for three months, they came in, they did customer service training, they um, they learned how to price up front, they uh, did more safety training, and just built that whole skill set up. Mm -hmm. And prior to that, we did a six-month evaluation of our culture, our staff culture. So we realised we needed to increase our workforce. We were finding that by advertising every week, people were going, why are they advertising every week? Mm. Is there something wrong with that place? Why are they always turning people over? But oh, what they didn't realise... for new staff. Yeah, what yeah, they right. didn't realise is that we were growing so sure. quickly, we needed new staff all the time. Right. So it looked like we are always advertising. And we still do. We always advertise now because mm -hmm. we've got a pool of people sitting there that if we have a position open up, mm -hmm. we can call them and they mm -hmm. come and work for us. Mm -hmm. uh, so... We put the, all the effort into the culture. We were lucky enough to be able to move from West End to Mansfield. We've bought a building there. We've we've purposely fitted out. We've got a gym. We've got um, three lunch areas. It's just a really nice place to work. Mm. And yeah, so when I arrived <clears throat> and uh, I read your little document, which I've got actually in my book here, uh, your culture book and, you know, the idea of the library and the Wi-Fi and all of those sort of, you know... Little things, yeah. Yeah, yeah great. Um and once you did that sort of initial three months of uh, training, yeah. did you notice an immediate sort of spike in um, the sale of these um, add-ons? Yes. Right. So we decided to launch it on a certain day mm -hmm. with the new price books and we went out and so most tradesmen, you'll ring them up and they'll say, oh, it's free to come out and it's $80 an hour or it's $80 to come out and it's... Yeah. $60 now, whatever it might be, mm -hmm. we just now say it's $49.50 to come out. Mm -hmm. And when we get there, we'll tell you what everything will cost before we start. Mm -hmm. Then you sign off on it if you want it, or if you want more than one thing, and you know how much it's going to cost. Mm -hmm. So we had to start that overnight because it's a different concept. And mm -hmm. a lot of customers struggle with it because it's uh, it's not what they're used to. Mm. And uh, a lot of people love it. And the people that love it have created so much growth in our business it's not funny mm -hmm. and, and what you've got to realize that a lot of our customers are time poor mm -hmm. and uh for them a four or eight hundred dollar expense once every 18 months isn't that much mm. it's just something they want to fix it they've got a problem i want it fixed mm -hmm. i want it to go away mm. and i want it done first time right and that's mm -hmm. what we're focused on mm -hmm. and and from what i understand um your entire workforce is coming in for training every, every week. Every week, yeah. Right. So on Tuesdays, all of our plumbers and mm -hmm. carpenters come in, and mm -hmm. Wednesdays, all our air conditioning guys, and Thursday, all the electricians and the other guys come in. Okay. And they come in at 6 in the morning, uh, and they'll leave at 8 o'clock. Right. After doing... Uh, they have to do a lot of safety training. Mm -hmm. They do... We bring all the manufacturers and suppliers in to do training on new products and mm -hmm. on, on how to sell products. 
and then we do a lot of customer service training mm-hmm. or role plays where they'll we'll break the 56 point process that we go through into small components so it might be they role play this week the phone call from the time we leave the office to phoning the customer and saying we're coming where mm-hmm. would you like me to park are you out you know make sure they're out of the shower they're home all the things that you do mm. and build that first rapport there might be another training session where we role play getting from the van to the house introducing yourself <clears throat> doing the inspection mm-hmm. or it might be the end of the job and asking if they're happy with everything uh, asking if they're happy to give us a five-star review which is mm-hmm. a good test of whether they're happy mm-hmm. and presenting the invoice and, and getting payment so right. we do role play every step of the process all the time and they generally they enjoy the process your team yeah guys are loving what we do most of the time oh yeah. that's excellent and over the sort of the journey not that i really like that word but of owning this business and seeing it through such substantive growth you know how, how have you found um you've been able to keep yourself inspired and energized around the business and how do you think you've sort of grown as a leader through the through the 15 years that i've been doing the job i've moved from having to process the pays and do the accounts and deal with all kinds of uh, tasks like that and, and every time we've grown the business a bit larger i've been able to employ another senior manager so mm-hmm. I've got a really good management team in place and they mm-hmm. run most of the business most of the time now. So I've got a, a general manager in plumbing and, and that side of the business. I've got a general manager on, on the electrical and air conditioning side. I've got a, a really professional call centre manager and she looks after uh, the inbound and the outbound calls. Mm-hmm. We've got a separate dispatch area. We've got um, a warehouse and distribution manager. We, we've actually recently had a company called CNW set up a branch of their warehouse in our warehouse so they own all of the stock in our warehouse and uh, we buy it from them in situ which is really good and we've got our own delivery guys so in winter if you lose your hot water system Mm. you want it installed that day and heat Mm. it up by the time you get home so our guys can get that hot water system out to site within two hours and and installed Um, I've got a great marketing manager and a great training manager and the training manager puts together the program for all the guys. Mm -hmm. And so um, uh, I suppose part of your growth as a leader has been the ability to step back and, you know, release a lot of those tasks. Yeah, Yeah, it's been great. It's been great. It's been great. (laughs) Well, I'm not good at everything. Right. To find experts who are good at their area of the business has really helped me. And it's, it's allowed me to free up my time to look at more opportunities. And mm-hmm. there's, there's thousands of opportunities out there. Mm-hmm. But when you're caught up in the day-to-day, you, you just the business stagnates and mm. stops. We've got um, lots of ideas mm-hmm. that, that we'd like to evaluate over the next couple of years. Recently, we evaluated whether to do um, bathroom renovations. But at the moment, we've decided not to do that because... When you're starting, you really have got to have one uh, manager with the license mm. in that area, mm. and I don't like I don't like flying on single engine airplanes, and I don't like having a business where there's only one person that is in any certain area of the business. Mm. Everything we've got has got redundancy in it, mm-hmm. so uh, it, it's not reliant on that person. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so we we decided not to do that. We also had a look at pest control, which is a great industry. I'd love mm. to be in it, but. It's very seasonal, and I think uh, we couldn't quite get our head around uh, how to manage that seasonality, mm-hmm. so we put that one on hold at the moment. Mm-hmm. And we've got some other 
things we're currently looking at, which might help us uh, grow the business and provide more value. You're looking at opening a uh, possum removal service? <laughs> no. <laughs> Actually, I had them around to the house, and he said, you're lucky you didn't buy the business. Because oh, really? It's a really tough game. You've got everyone working at heights. Mm. They've got certain um, qualifications that mm. they need. You know, not you've actually only allowed to move the possums a certain distance, right? And because I, I thought about it, I thought it'd be a great business because of all the carpentry work behind it. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. And um, I mean, obviously, you've had a lot of success, and you know, but when you look back over those fifteen years or so, is there anything that you look back and you go, "Oh, I wish I'd done this differently. I, I would have got a much better result." I wish I'd um, focused on the um, customer service the massive enhancement of customer service mm-hmm. much, much earlier in the, in mm-hmm. the business. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a stage there pre-GFC where the boom was happening so badly you couldn't find staff. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and we, we were bringing anyone on who had a heartbeat. Yeah. Uh, and we were focused on price yeah. and delivery and quality and it just didn't work. Mm. So uh, we had our growing pain around that. Um, when the GFC hit, we could keep all of our good staff, mm-hmm. and that changed to focused on total customer service. Right, really helped us grow the business. Mm-hmm. And um, I know that you are involved in different kinds of, for want of a better term, network type um, groups of other business owners. Yeah, um, uh, including some things that you've been doing over in the US. Um, tell us a bit, a bit about that. We're in, a, uh, we're in with a couple of organisations. Um, there's a group of guys in Australia we all talk to each other regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got businesses across Adelaide, Melbourne, Canberra, Newcastle, Central Coast. In the trade Sydney, space. in electrical, plumbing, air right, conditioning. Okay, yeah. And so we all chat, we visit mm-hmm. each other, we get ideas from each other. We're not competing. Mm. So it works really well. But um, the the most learning we get is when we go to the US. We're in a group called Service Nation Alliance, mm-hmm. and uh, recently we joined another group called CEO Warrior. Right, and they do a lot of training, and uh, they do half yearly events, things like that. But the real learning comes from meeting people over there and asking whether you can come and visit their shop and see mm-hmm. how they do things. Mm-hmm. And they love it. They share everything. They're mm-hmm. just really open and friendly. And do you find? Uh that there is significant differences in terms of how they run their businesses to here in Australia? In some areas there there are. I was surprised. Um, they suffer the same problems we do with finding good people. Mm. and But they've got, they've got differences in the way they can train people. Mm-hmm. We've got a four-year apprenticeship here. A lot mm-hmm. of people over there can train a, an air-conditioning guy up in three months or six months and have oh. them working, which we can't. Right. They don't have as uh, minimum wage as high as we do, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of their people over there are paid on commission only. Wow! So y- you might be paid three hundred dollars to install an air conditioner, mm-hmm. and if you are slow at it, you don't get paid very well. But if you're fast at it, you get paid really well. Mm-hmm. So it's there's a lot of difference around that, but the customer side of things is very similar. Mm. And um, processes is very similar. Mm. They've got some great IT over there, which we don't have in Australia, which would be nice to bring out here. But what we, sort of things? Um, there's a, some products over there called well, one of them, Service Titan, and mm-hmm. they've got a very good um, inroads into uh, 
into IT right over there. They, okay. they do the whole sales process really well. And what, what <clears> would <throat> preclude you from using that in Australia? Uh, I went and met them in LA and uh, had a chat to them. Mm. And they're, they're not providing 24-hour support at the moment. Mm. Uh, it, and they haven't decided to come out to Australia. We haven't got as big a market for them. And they're mm-hmm. growing massively out there at the moment. Mm. So yeah, they I, said we'd need 300 licenses out here before they come out. Right. Yeah, I've heard, you know, you talk about um, uh, the different ways that they employ and, and remunerate their teams over in the mm. US. And I suppose what's really sort of pertinent right at the moment is that a lot of these sort of roles would have been filled by, you know, um, uh, immigrants uh, because a lot of Americans, they just don't want to go and work for a minimum mm. wage or commission only mm. and so on. Um but, uh, but with the, all the immigration policy tightening up and so on, it's going to probably change a lot of yeah, that too. Yeah, could do. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. yeah. I know that I visited a guy in um, near Tucson and they might sell a drain job. We'll, we'll get in all the digging equipment here to do it. They'll go to a local garage and get a, a group of... I think there's a whole group of guys that'll stand there every morning Yeah. and you'll offer them some cash. They'll come and dig up the hole for you and yeah. then they'll be gone. Yeah. So it's a completely different mindset around mm. that. Mm. Uh, it's interesting. I've met some really interesting tradespeople over there. In St. Louis, I've met an air conditioning guy who earns more than the boss by a long shot. Right. He earns 10% of anything he sells. Mm-hmm. And so he's very good at selling. Mm. And so he's doing about $4 million of sales a year. He earns 400000 US mm-hmm. as an air conditioning guy. And the boss is really good at managing the call centre and finds any air conditioner that's got a repair required that's over 12 years old right. and gives him those leads. Right. And so he's he knows he'll convert. He, he knows he'll convert yeah. them and quite often convert them to a new air conditioning. And mm-hmm. they, their air conditioners over there are ten to $20,000 each. They're not right. splits like we sell okay. for okay. a couple thousand dollars each. So, mm. so yeah, it's a different industry. Mm, for sure. And so um, here we sit, you know, almost halfway through 2019, when you look out towards the future, you know, for for Fallon and, and for your own career, what are the things that you're excited about? I'm looking just to stabilise the business at the moment, make sure it keeps running like it is, maybe strengthen the management team a bit. And I'd like to um, pass some of that to some of the team so I can focus on some new uh, challenges that we're looking at. Mm-hmm. We've identified an opportunity in the market to maybe build our own IT and, and commercialise that. Mm-hmm. And I've got a couple of the network, the guys in my network who, who've done the same thing okay. and may be willing to work together. Yeah. So we're investigating that opportunity. It's right. really early days and it may or may not happen. And as I said, there's some other products that we'd mm-hmm. like to launch. So... Mm-hmm. Um, we're looking at those at the moment. Mm-hmm. Do you think that, um, you know, given your passion about building business and um, and culture, can you see a time where you might go and do something either instead of or as well as, which is in a completely different space? Uh, I, I think I, I think I'll stay in this business till I retire. Yeah, in some way, it might be just right. as a uh, board member. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy what we're doing. I, mm-hmm. I think uh, every day, you know, every Monday we'll book um, two, three hundred jobs, and every one of those jobs we're helping someone in Brisbane right. with something. We're actually doing something. We're not shuffling paper. Yeah, feels really good when you mm-hmm. do fifty thousand repairs a year and help mm-hmm. people out. 
So the way that you'll keep yourself stimulated is by these sort of, you know, projects like a potential new IT system or, you know, a, a, another new initiative after that, because yeah. otherwise it could be a little bit like Groundhog Day, couldn't it, after 15 years? I, th I think you've been in business long enough to know that <laughs> people send little gifts to you every day of the oh. week. <laughs> you know, QBCC might change rules in, in right. their part of our playing field and the government might change and mm. change the rules there and the tax office might want some more money here. And mm -hmm. Something's always changing and you've got to adapt your business to, mm. to the changes in the industry. Um, we may have another big GFC next year, mm. who knows? So we'll have to be ready for that. So we're yeah. always planning ahead. We, Our IT systems change. Mm -hmm. We need to get better. When I bought the business, one of the main reasons I bought the business is it had a really good listing in Yellow Pages. Right. It's almost irrelevant now. Oh, for sure. But we've invested for over a decade in our SEO, mm. a search engine optimization. So mm. we're now number one in almost everything we do. Mm. That'll change at some stage. In America... Um, Google's going away from that and, and selling um, the first spot for fifty dollars, a bit like uh, some of the other companies out there, like High Pages, that basically um, create leads and sell them to tradesmen right. five times to five different tradies. Right. So there's different business models out there. So um, they're not really trade companies; they're just mm. marketing engines. Mm. And then and, you've got these apps where you know I'm at home and I I think uh, I need something done. I can just Chuck it in an app, and you know people who are sitting around looking for. Yeah, yeah. So I, I well, was Airtasker's one. Yeah, Airtasker. That's. I think it, some yeah. guys just find one hundred and ten thousand for doing illegal electrical work on oh, Airtasker. Oh, really? Wow. So. Yeah. Oh, I suppose that's mm. the risk you're going to take. Isn't yeah. It? So it's all changing, and mm. trying to keep ahead of that mm. is is difficult. For sure. Yep. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I've seen how technology has disrupted the recruiting industry through yeah. LinkedIn and. Uh, mm. Uh, I think there's no industry that's safe anymore. Yeah. And and certainly with improved artificial intelligence and uh, uh, roles that were originally considered, you know, this has to be done by a human, you know, yeah. there's a lot of that's going to yeah. change too. And I suppose one of the things, you know, in your space is this idea of, um, you know, prefabricated um, homes which are already wired and yeah. plumbed yeah. and so on. Yeah. Um, yeah just, and there's a lot of... Uh, home intelligence mm. coming in. If you look at what's happening in the UK and the US when they build homes now, mm -hmm. there's just so much of uh, automation built into mm. the homes mm. and there's lots of different platforms. Mm. And so when that all starts migrating to one or two platforms, mm -hmm. it's going to be really powerful and it's mm -hmm. going to change the way we look at things. I mean, LED lights are completely changing the way we look at mm. lighting. I'm glad that we're in the industry, though, because they can't send us off to China to manage us and uh, right. someone's still got to stick their hand down the toilet to unclog us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's that joke? Uh, 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 a lawyer's having a dinner party on a Saturday night and his toilet gets blocked, so he rings the plumber and the plumber comes around and like sticks his hand down and pulls something out and he says, oh, that'll be $600. And the lawyer says, you're only here for 10 minutes. I don't even get $600 an hour. And the plumber says, yeah, I was like that when I was a lawyer too. <laughs> I think all my friends who chose trades when they finished high school are substantially better off financially than, than us who uh, went to university. Some very clever guys in the oh, trades. I was, sure. I was astonished. Um, mm. I did the whole white collar thing, went to uni and, and did well at school. And uh, a lot of the tradies that I've met are very, very clever in business. Mm. They, uh, they don't learn as well 
by listening and by seeing, but they're really good learning with their hands. So yeah. when we do training, a lot of our trainings about teaching them in a physical way where they're sure. doing things with their hands and learning. And What's that, that way whole, uh, uh, what do they call it, um, NLP, where the people are visual learners or auditory learners mm. or kinesthetic, kinesthetic learners. Kinesthetic, yeah. yeah. A lot yeah. of tradies are kinesthetic learners. Mm. Mm. And uh, they're very clever people. They mm. just learn in a different way. Sure. And our school system isn't set up as much for kinesthetic learning, I yeah. don't believe. yeah. Yeah, we could have a whole other podcast yeah. about that. And likewise, you know, we could have a whole other podcast about how do you stay in business with somebody you're married to for 15 years. <laughs> uh, I'd, I'd definitely like to listen to that podcast. But look... Um, Two separate offices. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we wrap it up, uh, uh, we've spoken a lot about business and, and so on. But what about, um, you know, what are the sort of things that you enjoy when you're not at work? I've got young kids like yourself. And- yeah. They take up a lot of your spare time and they they add a dog on top and yeah. trying to keep some uh, fitness in, in the old body. And I think you're saying you, you travel a lot. Me and my wife and I and the family, we love traveling. So yeah. we probably do two overseas trips a year. Some yeah. of them you tie into uh, trips to the, the States. Right. But I've got family in Germany still, so okay. visiting them's great. Yep. And uh, a few years ago, a friend turned 50 and he... he uh, is Greek, so we went to a Greek island oh, with him for yep. the 50th. There's plenty of good things to do in life. There are, there are. It's just finding the time and it's finding uh, money. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, look, I um, uh, really appreciate your time today. Thanks very much for taking the opportunity to speak with us and uh, have a fantastic afternoon. Yeah, thanks for giving me your time. I appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Arate Podcast with Richard Treeks. For show notes and other resources, please visit aratepodcast.com. While you are there, you can subscribe for future episodes so you can continue your own journey towards realizing your full potential as a senior executive. And please be sure to share this and other episodes with your friends and colleagues. The Arate Podcast is brought to you by the Experts On Air Podcast Network.